Welcome to Buddy Read Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Nia. And we're roommates. And we're best friends. Thank you very much. I mean, we're both. Exactly. Therefore, mention it. Okay. We also love to listen to audiobooks. Recently, we started Buddy Reading. Or is it listening? Buddy listening? Buddy reading? You know what? It's whichever. Right. And we wanted to share our thoughts. Yep. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So sit back. Relax. Because Buddy Read starts now. Welcome to episode three. Very special episode. We have a very special guest in the building. Toya. <laughs> oh my god, I love you guys. <laughs> Welcome Toya to the show, my favorite person. Okay, I can't say my favorite because there's a lot of people on Bookstagram that will get mad. But one of my favorite people on Bookstagram, Dr. Toya, aka the reading chemist. Welcome. Ah, uh, thank you so much, Kim. Thank you so much, Nia. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. This is gonna be a great show. It's gonna be a hard-hitting show because we're gonna be talking about Dear Martin by Nick Stone. Yes. Um, that book packs quite a punch. Right. So before we jump into the discussion, we wanna get to know you, Toya. Who are you? Oh Yes. We already know that you are the best PhD person, doctor, chemist, you know, fig out there, right? Because I said it a million times. <laughs> but who are you in the book community? Are you a bookstagrammer, book blogger, tuber? <laughs> so uh, I'm not brave enough to go on to booktube, like, you know, like. I just, I'm not brave enough, but <laughs> no, so I do bookstagram and I am a book blogger. So I do juggle both of those, which are very interesting and different in their own right. But really yeah, it's, it's, although it's one community, it's very kind of like, there's, it's separated in a way. Um, I, I don't know, because for me, I have e-travel read instead of like kimberbookworm.com. So I'm always feeling like I'm traveling through that. So I do agree. It's two dynamics, but I love them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same here. Um, and where what region of the united states are you are you here in the south with us are you in the north oh i'm here in the south with y'all so represent you did the y'all i love it we always do do y'all on our other show so yeah all right and all right so what are your goals to genres so my go-to genres, um, I typically read a lot of young adults, so YA, but fantasy and sci-fi, and then probably um, contemporary are my big three hitters right now. Yes, I'm getting into so uh, I'm getting into sci-fi slowly because of you and our other friend Laura, because that's yes. what you mostly read. So I'm like, every time you guys have a recommendation, I write it down. I just need to pick them up. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing. Um, and last but not least, what are your top three books of this? Now this is the end of the second quarter yeah. of the year. Yeah. So yeah. what are your top three books from April, May, and June? So my three for those, for this quarter is Saving Ruby King by Catherine uh, Adel West, uh, Dear Martin by Nick Stone, as well as Felix Ever After by Kacen Callender. Loved ever after my heart broke my heart it's teenage love affair but like layered and then it takes place in new york and you know how we feel about that me and i love it so deep so so deep you have to i'm gonna put you on don't worry me i'm gonna put you on okay so now that we've gotten to know you let's jump into the synopsis for dear martin free at last dream on Justice McAllister is top of his class and set for a bright future, but none of that matters to the police officer who just put him in handcuffs. And despite leaving his rough neighborhood behind, he can't escape the scorn of his former peers or the ridicule of his new classmates. Justice looks to the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for answers, but do they hold up anymore? He starts a journal to Dr. King to find out. Then comes the day Justice goes driving with his best friend Manny, windows rolled down, music turned up, way up, sparking the fury of a white off-duty cop beside them. Words fly, shots are fired, Justice and Manny are caught in the crosshairs. In the media fallout, it's Justice who is under attack. 
Disclaimer, this is a spoilery episode. If you haven't read the book we're discussing yet, check back in with us once you have. Okay, so for these first five questions, me and I stole. Yeah, um, but these, it was allowed. Yeah, because the person we stole from is actually on the show. Right, so it works, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> me and I were lucky to be a part of the conversation that you had for Dear Martin, Buddy Reed, and you came out with five fabulous questions that I tried to rework for the show, and it just didn't work out. So we're just going to jump in right now. First jump question in. is... Uh, what initially went through both of your minds or all of our minds when Justice was attacked by Officer Castillo? Do you think the outcome would have been different if Melo wasn't white passing, Melo being Justice's biracial girlfriend at the time? And have you ever feared that you would have a similar experience with the police? That was a lot of questions packed into one. Right. Um, <laughs> so let's a lot of emotion that. packed into that too. <laughs> so we'll do, we'll do the first. What initially went through your mind when Justice was attacked by Officer Mello? For me, I was angry. I just, I, I was disgusted. Yeah. I think that probably sums it up. What about you, Nia? Literally, she took the words from my mouth because I literally was just like, angry, anger. And mm, anger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I think collectively we're all going to say the same thing. It was a lot of, it was just, I was aggravated. And then I think I forgot that this is the kind of punch that we were going to get hit with in the beginning. So I was just like, already? Like, yeah. I don't even get a break. Like, automatically. You didn't even a page to warm up. No, ma'am. And then it's like, you see, because Nick kind of sets the tone. She, he's wearing his headphones. It's late at night. Yep. He has on a hood. Yep. And it's like, automatically, my brain, I don't know if it was for you, but automatically, I'm like, this is not going to be good. Like, I yep. see where we're going, and it's yep. not going to. And then, when, like, when Officer Castillo, like, punched him in the face. Child. Ooh. I had to back up real quick. I literally, I did the, the book, same thing. Like, we put the book down. She, we read it separately and together, put the book down. And I was just like, you know what, yep. Nick, I think you're trying me too early into the book. I literally had to look at Kim like, this is what you got me in. Sorry. Mm. I mean, I'm not sorry because you need to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. It needed to be done that yes. way. Yes. But, man, like, gut punch. Absolute gut punch. Like, For sure. complete. And then... You know, Mellow, she's biracial and she's white passing. Yeah. Um, Toya, I don't know if Nia knows this, but Toya is also biracial. So yep. I, I do not think you're white passing. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Mellow is, is, is portrayed that way. Do you think that justice would have been, this would have been like the reaction from Officer Castillo if she looked more black than she did more white? I think, honestly, what would have happened is if, if Officer Castillo had seen that she also was a similar skin tone, he probably would have just ignored it. Black oh. on black crime. Right there. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I want you to know I'm so mad that she went before me because I thought I was going to be the only one with that point of view because I really <laughs> felt like he would have ignored them and he would have gone along his way. But he saw this white passing girl and he automatically assumed the worst. He put it on him and unfortunately Justin paid the price for that and that's crazy because I'm not gonna say it we all three we had the same uh, <laughs> we have the same yep. answer literally if it was uh, a black woman or a, a woman who looked more black than Melo did yeah it, she would have he probably would have ignored her and ironically his name is Castillo so it's your the element you, is like Latin exactly and then you, and we're not gonna have that conversation on we, this we show can't today. because that would be too much <laughs> that would be way too much and Lastly, for the first part, have you feared having a similar experience? Nia, you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I 100% have feared that experience going down. And it's not because I do anything shysty or, you know, just wrong. Or I even hang out with that type of crowd. But it's just I know how. Not, not that I know, but I have seen how people look at me and people that I hang out with and I can only I can only be fearful because I've seen what happens yeah I've just been lucky that it had to happen to me or anyone really close but I know of people you know yeah so mm -mm. what about you Toya 
So uh, I actually shared this when I did a discussion group for this and I actually was racially profiled and pulled over for being a black woman who was a designated driver for my three white friends. And I did the breathalyzer, I had not been drinking and the cop told me he pulled me over because he was black. He then told me that I was gonna be going to jail uh, because I failed the breathalyzer. And then he told me that he was just kidding and that I was beautiful for a black woman. And wow. I never cried so hard in my life because I thought my life was over. Wow. So, yeah. Ooh, that is heartbreaking. What? I, you know. And I'm a PhD, right? I'm safe. Hmm. I, so. I read, when I read that in the conversation, I was already in a sad mood, so I just bawled. Um, <laughs> and I want to say that I'm very sorry that that's what you experienced because I, I have not technically had a personal experience with police in that way. But I have been around people who have. I have family yeah. who has. So yeah. it's it's definitely like when I read it, I was just like, this is just not okay. Like, Never. Yeah. Nope. Completely and agree. I ooh, I'm not crying. Nope. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, I have question to. Two? Yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's go. Okay. All right. Question two. Ooh. You good? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> What were both of your thoughts on the all men are created equal debate that Dr. Dre initiated in the debate class? Were you familiar with any of these microaggressions? Ooh, okay. So this debate I think is necessary, but I was absolutely aggravated by it <laughs> because to a certain degree, I understand um, Dr. Dre, and it's funny his name is Dr. Dre. I know, right? <laughs> Dr. Dre. <laughs> I understood why Dr. Dre initiated this kind of conversation for that class. It's it's an important conversation, especially when um, within that, like, I don't know if anyone, if you haven't read the book, that classroom is predominantly white with only Justice and Manny. Um, I believe that's, they're the only two. I think so. In that classroom. Yeah. Yeah. That yes, are black. They are. So I get why he, he did it. You know what I mean? Cause we got to address the three fifths clause and, and all of those things that are in the constitution. I was just, I was a little annoyed. I was like, you know, you know, doc, you, <laughs> you setting off fireworks that you're not about to put out. You're just kind of letting things storm off and I don't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I had to take a step back from the scene and realize that it was, it was important and it was a necessary conversation and it brought out, especially Jared, who we, we going to get Child. to Jared. <laughs> because Jared worked my soul from the beginning to even the end. Honestly, honestly, same. Like it brought out some of these ideas and beliefs that the other side might have, and then it brought out SJ, who is one of my favorite characters. Completely, <laughs> she's one of my favorite. People. Team SJ over here. Team SJ. Hashtag Team SJ. Literally. So I think I, I think at first I was kind of annoyed that he brought it up. I thought he was trying to stir up trouble even though he's the, the professor or the teacher because it's a high school yeah um but i see the reason behind it and yeah of course i'm um, familiar with all of those microaggressions that were coming out of their mouths i went to catholic school for high school in the bronx but it was majority white and we had a lot of black kids and and latinx kids but it, we there, there was a there was a clear divide but we tried to ignore it in a way so yeah i definitely experienced yeah. it in different classes what about you, Toya? So, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I completely agree with you. I was very frustrated because it was it definitely felt like a stirring the pot situation. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. Like, I also reverted back to my 14, 15, 16-year-old self where I was the one black kid in a class of people that didn't look like me. And they're discussing these things without thinking how that made me feel. Mm. And I was shaking when I was reading some of these things because these things were said to my face all the time as if it was nothing. And so wow. I felt like I had to remove that part of myself in order to really get the message, but it hurt. Yeah. It really hurt. Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to punch Jared. Oh. Complete. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this house was a we hate Jared house. We were like, like I, I, I can't count how many times either one of us, especially me, because I have a potty mouth, went, fucking Jared. Like, <laughs> no, literally. Fuck Jared. Like, hashtag. Full hashtag. All day. Honestly. I don't care. Time. <laughs> Go ahead, Mia. What about you? Um, basically the same, except I was not 
completely mad at Dr. Dre. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there, Nick. I know, right? <laughs> um, I, I thought it was needed. Um, a lot of, I feel like a lot of the kids needed to have that discussion. So I was just like, I, I was all for it. I was all for it. Um, in terms of the microaggressions, I, I think I was a little, I guess for lack of better words, fortunate that I didn't experience, um, I guess, anything other than black kids until I got to college. So it never really affected me that way. Like both of you experienced it a lot younger. Mm-hmm. So when I came to college, I was like, man, these one people. <laughs> I'm here. Um, I'm securing what, what I did. I mean, of course, I experienced it in the sense of I knew what people were saying. Mm-hmm. I experienced it on a major level with my own initial major but um i i think it's it's something that kind of rolled off my back and i didn't realize like how deep it was yeah and how wrong it was for for um people to do that and i think to a certain degree i was also expecting it so i don't know if that's almost like a reverse it's like there's so many layers to it because when you live in like like when you go to school in the city and then you're in predominantly black areas yeah um, and you don't experience the other side. Yeah. that It's kind of a bit of a, it's a shock. Because you're like, oh, right. Like, this exists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, me and I went to a PWI, which we found out. Guess what? Did I tell you? She she went to Notre Dame. <gasps> she was down the street. She, she was down the block. I literally told her, I was like, we went to, like, South Bend almost every other weekend. Literally, Anyways, trying to find something to do. Just saying. Went to PWIs, and I had already kind of had my integration i would say in high school but i saw how difficult it was for you in certain spheres and spaces and it, it's something when you when you first recognize that microaggression it's kind of like yep. oh that's where i am right. and it can be jarring so I, I and i get it i completely yeah. it, it was <laughs> it, it was taught us a lot yeah i think after my first um hiccup with my major i was just I don't know. I was angry, but I was expecting it, but I was angry. It was like a war. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you guys mean, especially going to, you know, Notre Dame, a PWI. And I mean, the running joke was there were more legacies on our campus than minorities. Yeah. That was wow. literally said in everyone's mouth. Like, wow. And I believe yeah. it because, um, I mean, Notre Dame is notorious. For- yes. Woo-hoo, we're not gonna go yeah. there. They're not ready for that conversation. All right. Yeah, back 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 to the questions. <laughs> oh, before we do that, the one thing I wanted to say, um, in that scene, SJ's very uh she's very vocal. Yeah. And SJ is she's a white girl, she's Jewish. Um and I noticed that I think when reading it for me personally, and I don't know how it was for you two, but for me I appreciated SJ so much because I understood why justice didn't really speak up in part one a lot especially um not because i saw myself in those situations sometimes and also because i could just i could tap into like i'm in the minority here for real for real not that we're not aware of the fact that we're minorities but in this situation i'm in the minority if i respond anyway Mm. it can be like literally literally i appreciated sj kind of being that force and it's just like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't say that. Because um, I had a professor at, at, we went to this university called Andrews University. I had a professor, Dr. Carpenter. Hey girl. She was very, she's, she was a short little white lady from New England and let everybody know about it. But she would fight tooth and nail for, for black people. And Literally. she would put herself- Love that and i appreciated her because it was it was a little like for me it was like okay sometimes you're doing too much (laughs) but (laughs) i appreciated the fact that she would because she knew that we couldn't like if we got upset it would be another story it'd be another narrative but for her to get upset it's that dr carpenter is getting upset exactly dr carpenter the black doctor is getting upset so i really appreciated her and i think with sj i felt like it felt like dr carpenter for me i don't know if that was no for sure i definitely see the the resemblance now that you brought it into light i'm just like you know what it probably was dr carpenter she was a fighter and she didn't care either like (laughs) literally she did not care but that's the thing though like we have to have that because otherwise we just get 
you know, uh, labeled as the angry black woman or you're just overreacting or you're yep. too sensitive. Like, why is it about your skin color? Like, yep. because it, it can't is. be us. Right. So I just want to point that out. <gasps> okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it needed, it needed to be Again, pointed out. Heavy hitter. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this question, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to get angry. So you guys be prepared how did you feel about the whole halloween stereotype caricature foolishness that went on in dear martin where they dressed up as what was it what was it what are they called equality team or something some weird yeah some some uh, i didn't note it because i was something so like justice league it was yeah yeah something, something like that stupid some... where they they played up to their own stereotypes essentially how did mm-hmm. you guys feel? Toya, how'd you feel about it? So, I'll be real honest, like, I wasn't the slightest bit shocked because, again, going to the university that I did, I saw these types of parties all the time in college. You know, we saw these pimps and hoes, everybody's got their grills on and wearing chains, and it was, like, that was the thing. Um, and if I was the person that spoke out about it, that was my issue, you know? So... It hurt, but I also saw it yeah. all the time. What about you? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I was completely disgusted, but I think I was more disgusted on or with Manny and Justice. I think I was more annoyed with them because, to a certain degree, I think like Toya, I kind of expected it. But for them, I was just like, really? You 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 couldn't say no. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I, I think that's where I, where I was with Manny. So Manny played essentially. If you know the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, he played Carlton. Okay, literally, sure that's actually a really good one. He was the token black guy. He had on like the sweater around his his thing, whatever, yeah, <laughs> his polo club. shirt. Like, um, and then for for Justice, he played the thug because he he goes to the school that they go to is a very. Uh, predominantly great it's a good school okay yeah the end that's all it was it's a great school um but he comes from a different neighborhood and so he plays the thug the yeah quintessential thug and then jared the asshole uh plays <laughs> plays what he should have probably will become and even though we you know we'll get to the end of the book but he he plays the politician and the other people are just there the, the hawaiian surfer dude and the guy that really got to me though was was it the one with the birthday party? Oh. Blake. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna say Ryan. That clansman. The clansman. Oh, I wanted to stomp him out. <laughs> what? Mm. I just I wanted to whoop his ass. I was Completely. Like, I didn't think anybody. I didn't think I would hate anybody more than Jared. And then Blake did that. Yeah. And then Blake, his house is basically a shrine to the clansman, to that type of thinking, to that ideology, and I was frustrated because justice knew it was wrong but he didn't want to be that person like you said toya then manny it was kind of like i I was side-eyeing manny a little bit because i know that he's had a different experience he's been around these guys specifically his whole life yeah but it was just like bro you know your mother and you know your father i heard your mother talking she 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 be down with the get down why would you do this like you know what i mean and it was just the whole scene annoyed me, aggravated me, and then when it escalated, I was just like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, I was like, beat their ass! <laughs> beat their <laughs> Because I couldn't understand, and then I I wasn't shocked, though. Like everyone said, I wasn't shocked that it happened. I think, if you even watch, like, Dear White People, they had an episode where this yep. kind of happened. I, 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 we didn't experience it in, I, I, don't, I didn't experience it in high school, and I didn't experience it in college. No. But I'd heard about them yeah and i was just and i'll be honest i expected it to happen so i was waiting i was i was waiting okay to tiki torch their backside (laughs) (laughs) neo was out there in the bushes like when they come in (laughs) i guess like even though this was a reread for me i forgot about the clansman there is so much about this book that i blocked out for for reasons obvious reasons like and i completely forgot about it i forgot about the 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 party i was like this is ridiculous like what is this it was next level but it's true it's a it's something that happens and it needed to be discussed completely but it angered me okay so what are your thoughts on internalized racism specifically when manny admits that he's never dated a black female and is scared to go to an all-black college 
What are your thoughts? So this question I specifically made because of me. Um, Because I'm biracial, uh, the very first experiences I've had with racism were from my own family. The very first time I was called the N-word was by my own family. I've been told that we could breed the black out of my line by marrying white men and moving on. So this question was for me. Um, I've had a lot of internalized racism and I have finally broken out of my shell uh, in my adulthood and reclaimed that space for myself, you know, making sure that I love my skin, I love my skin color, I embrace my black culture, I embrace my natural hair, um, just all of these things that I didn't used to do because of what I was told my whole life. So that was because of me. Wow. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. no. I mean, you told me this before, and I just hearing it, I just, you know, I wanted to say something very disrespectful, and I'm not going to do it because I'm on mic. I'm very sorry that that was your experience. For sure. Um, We experienced colorism. Yeah. In, I would say, the West Indies, but did that, ooh, ooh, okay. Um, Wow. Yeah. um, My thought specifically is that I wasn't, I wasn't shocked that Manny was so scared um, to go into, like, cause you know, his 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 parents, they're spell more or more, spe- how does it go? Spell, spell house? Spell, more, spell, spell house. Spellman. It's Spellman or and Morehouse, but yeah, they're both, but, like, yeah. there's like this, like, yeah. title. <laughs> both of his parents went to Spellman and Morehouse. They are a Spellman Morehouse couple. Yes. So the expectation <laughs> uh, for Manny is to go to Morehouse. That's what they want, essentially. Yeah. And I understand why it was, scary for him because he had basically been in predominantly white spaces his entire life yeah um and although i hated the stereotype that he gave black women um again it was another level like layer of trying to step into his shoes and understand where he could possibly be coming from now as a girl born and raised in the bronx don't stereotype us. Yes, we can get <laughs> crazy, but that doesn't mean that we can't go to school and sound educated and be intelligent. But we can get crazy and when do we need great to. Things. Right. But I understood. I, I understood his his issue. Like I understood where he was coming from. Yeah. And although I don't feel like I've ever experienced internalized racism, more so like maybe internalized. Co- I mean, colorism is a a, a subsect of. Racism, racism which is a whole nother conversation right um mm-hmm. I, I i would say like i whew, i felt for manny in a way that i didn't expect to does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. what about Com- you Nina? completely um i think my thoughts on it is that it exists and it's something that needs to be corrected um specifically when it comes to manny I did have that moment of, huh, I guess I could feel pity for him. Because honestly and truly, up until that point, I was like, this this boy is going to be a problem. I can already see myself stomping him out. Um, but <laughs> I think that moment, I really was just like, okay, so he he's, you know, kind of human. I, I can see why he had that struggle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. He's kind of human? <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> No, I, I, okay. I'm really not no, trying to I be know, mean. I know what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, I yes. It was. It was a. That scene was very kind of like because as a like as a black woman, you're kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, no, and, absolutely. And like then, it, it, it makes you take a step back because you're like, what, how? Like what has been done to you that you hate your own self? Literally, like, you hate your people, right? And and that was what. That's why I gravitated towards Manny so much because I was like. When you are raised to think that money can get you anything in this world, that it can erase your culture, like, that's not okay. Right. Never. And, you know, uh, uh, ooh, okay, nope. Yeah. Um, lastly, and this is the last question for part one, because if you didn't know, this this little itty-bitty book... <laughs> had all this going on in part one. In just one part <laughs> is, um, what are your thoughts on Justice's mom, okay, and her biases against SJ, of course, but what are your thoughts on, on Justice's mom, Nia? Okay, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I really, really didn't like Justice's mom's biases, like against white people. I okay. in general, or like for her, for for Justice specifically, because she had both technically. Yeah, I think I think 
That actually does bring another thing into the, into the equation. Um, I really feel like she dropped the ball on her, her bias, especially when it came to, um, what's her name? SJ. <laughs> I really feel like she dropped the ball on that. I I don't think that was the proper way to raise a black man, especially when you know that he's gonna have to. Interact yes, and, and then you put him in a predominantly white school. Yeah, yeah. I I was I I really had a problem with the way that she thought and the way she responded to certain things. How angry she was. Like I get it to a certain degree, but I really feel like <laughs> you just weren't here for her. Yeah, I, I was really trying to find something good just now, but mm, I, I really was not here for her and how, how she raised him. I mean, granted, he came out good. He came out good, and he was he is a good kid, but hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my thoughts on his mom, like, she clearly has her own issues and, and, and everything like that. The one thing that I will say that I admire about her is that her love for her son is is evident right, yeah, right. Like she will do anything for justice yeah. to a point where it's blinding and <laughs> she makes questionable decisions and right. judgments but her love for her son can't be questioned that's true that is that is very true that's that's the only positive about her yeah okay. I'll, I'll give her that i'll give her that <laughs> so i i don't i don't disagree with either one of you i think uh i don't like the way she went about some of her biases and prejudice against white people, though I think it is rooted in her own experiences. Um, but I don't like how that affected justice because essentially he's hiding himself from his mm-hmm. mom for fear of how she would respond. Yeah. For fear of, of things like being like, to me, I went to the furthest extreme where it's like, you could be disowned right. by family members. Yep. So it was just, I didn't like that that fear was kind of, put in place for him yeah um absolutely and so that for me like she was she was working my nerves with that but <laughs> but i will say i appreciate it i i did y'all see her mommy isms you know when you know that this comes from a black mother when she, <laughs> I, <laughs> I appreciated some of them because i saw my mom in them i literally i at one point i called my mom i'm like you know i just want you to know you're the quintessential black mother okay don't think you're different because you're jamaican she got, <laughs> she got so mad at me but no like I, I felt like that was where i connected with his mom but for the most part i wanted to throw her off of a cliff honestly yep same i was just like okay we get it I, I, you know i get it well, i do especially get it. because sj is the one who's actually literally going at bat for literally justice. And that's what, like, what was Mello? What was Mello doing besides being toxic? Because no, she was so toxic. Like I would understand it more if it was Mello, but SJ was in the gym shooting for him. Shooting like, in the gym. Sorry, because it I, just <laughs> when I tell you I can't stand Mello, I could have a whole episode just dissecting Mello as a character because I can't Honestly. stand her. Um, but yeah, I do. I I understand where you're coming from, Neil. You're just like I'm done with her. Yeah, and I do agree that most of where she came from with some of her prejudice is is out of love for her son. Yeah, and, and I I agree. Protect. I agree, but I just didn't agree with her. Her methods. Her methods were just wow. They were trash. Completely. Just trash. So we're gonna get to the part of the book that I don't know about you two, but it severely packed a punch. Uh to the point where I had to woosa, breathe, cry, I did all the things. Yeah. Um at the end of part one. Manny and uh, Justice are, they're going to Stone Mountain, which was funny. We don't live far from Stone Mountain. So I was like, oh, well, they're like, I know, right? I was like, I know where you guys are going. I know where you guys are going. Um, And they're playing music. You know, Manny just found out that his best friend's father is going to sue him and his family. Jared. Stupid Jared. Still fuck you, Jared. Um, and a off-duty police officer who is upset with the type of music, with the blaring of the music, decides he's going to pull an arm and shoot at both Manny and Justice in the car. Yep. And unfortunately, Manny passes away. And when I tell you I had to breathe, because I forgot that. So I had to breathe. I had to put the book down. I had to walk away. I had to take a shower. It was a lot yeah, of things. I, I was not prepared. 
and I was like, is this how we, oh Lord, so what's part two going to be? Because I'm, I'm expecting the punch to hit in part two. Um, so yeah, how, how was for you that transition? How was that for both of you guys? I listened to this audiobook at work. Ooh. When I was, when I listened to that scene play out, I just started crying right then and there. Yeah. And I was like, and I'm going to go to the bathroom now because I just don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Because how many times have all of us been in a situation when we've been blasting our music just to let go? And yeah. we can't even do that much. Like, it was a five second jerk reaction and someone loses their life over it? No. Wasn't here for it. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. No. It definitely hurt on a different level. Because I. Who? I literally thought about how many times I've driven with my windows down, my music blaring. Yep. And pulled up at stoplights. And I didn't have a cure in the world. Same. And just to see that or read it, I, hmm. It hit, it hit a little different. And what's funny, I don't do that down here. Because we, we live in Atlanta. I don't do that down here. I don't, one, because it's way oh, too hot. I move to the south, I don't do it either. Like, one, it's way too hot. I'm sorry. I don't want to I like to be cool. Um, two, it's that fear. Because in New York, it's illegal for you to have an arm if you're not in the armed forces, whether police or anything. You cannot have a firearm. Down in the South, technically, you can have license to have a firearm yeah. to carry. That fear is so subconscious for me that when, when I moved down here, it was kind of like, I never wanted to blare my music. I never wanted it to be like, if I'm blaring it, it's because we have the windows up. And even though people can still hear it, you know, it, we got our windows up and you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about it. And it was subconscious. Cause in New York, when we were in high school, we used to roll around with our friends. Yeah. And when, when they finally got their license and they'd be blasting their music and we're all bumping and there's yeah. no fear, like no imminent fear in that way. And it was Absolutely. like reading that scene. I'm like this, is what I do down here because this yep. is a fear and yep. it's rightfully so see for me it was slightly different because I got my license down here and I guess I was younger so <laughs> I was just like well it's my music it's my music it's only you know in recent years where I'm watching the news seeing things happen and I'm just I guess more hyper aware of it so I'm just like well when I go out, I'm not making no eye contact with people. Unless they cut me off, then I have all right. You know, because <laughs> I get really upset. But um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I try my hardest now in recent years. Like, when I go out, I'm staying with what I know, staying within my box. You know, I'm just being more aware of things and what I do, you know? Right. So, after the passing, uh, like, after Manny's passing, there's a dynamic shift throughout the book yeah you can um, literally feel it like it's it's yep. changed one of the dynamic shifts that uh i felt was between the relationship between manny and um excuse me justice and manny's family yeah um how were those scenes for you like when he had to interact with them at the funeral and then having to go to dinner with them um, and going to their house and having his favorite meal being cooked by them and what were the emotions there? I'm hitting y'all with the emotions in part two. <laughs> no, apparently. Um, I'm salty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, wow. It was pure, utter heartbreak. I think every scene I cried, like, to a certain degree. Like, once I got into the second part, I was just crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Okay. No, no, no. You're fine. Okay. Um. Just, hmm. It was hard. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, it just it reminded me of what happens when the black community is constantly losing black men, and then how do those families move on, and and how do these these friends move on, and there's all these gaping holes, and for sure, it just. Like all, like all of us, you know, within the community have heard stories and we know what it's like when, you know, black men are sent to prison and are, you know, ripped from our communities. And it, and it just made all of that so much more real. And, and it was one of those, like, you truly understood that, like, Manny's parents were trying to do the best thing for him, but 
in the same respect, like they were black and they were still ostracized, even with the money that they had. And it just, yeah. it, it hurts. Yeah. It really hurt. Yeah. And, and that, I think that was, ooh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Nia. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, no, I think that like I, I have nothing to add. It's literally exactly what you both both said. It was just it, it's that like that emptiness. That's kind of what I felt reading specifically that scene and just reading that part of the book. And then you mentioned you know uh, police officers, and I thought about Quan, <laughs> who's Manny's cousin, who was arrested for allegedly uh, killing, I think, it's, is it Minnesota that, that they were trying to yeah, hit him with? Yeah, uh, The officer who actually punched Justice, which is Castillo. Full circle. Which, I'm not going to lie to y'all, when, when it came out that, you know, Castillo was dead, I sort of hit a happy Oh, dance. I screamed karma. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, look how the cookie crumbled. Right. So, yeah. so you know, in this part, uh, Justice is kind of like, you know, he's going through the motions. He stops writing letters to, to Martin Luther King Jr., um, and he he goes to visit Quan in yeah. jail, and Quan makes this very like profound statement where he says, "I'm and I'm not saying it verbatim. Um, they expect me to be this way, so why should I do right? They expect me to do wrong anyway when they look at me, so why should I not prove them right? It, I yeah. should just be who who they think I am." Yeah. And like for me, it's kind of like that's that's how I feel about everything that's going on right now. Like the whole showing of riots versus peaceful protests. Yeah, you want to call us monsters? There's the monstrosity that you created. Yeah, not that it's us, but that like that like that's literally how I felt reading that. And I just wanted to know, like, do you think one his statement, Quan's statement, was a fair statement? And do you think it's a result of? racism as a whole microaggressions as a whole prejudice as a whole so i actually recently watched this video by uh tupac actually uh and tupac in his video he sits there and he says he's like you know you've got these you know you've got black people like say they're outside standing from a hotel room door and they see all this food but they're starving and all this and that so every single day you keep going up to that door and you're knocking like hey guys please let me in like you're trying to be nice but imagine like saying the same thing over and over for 400 years and nobody listens. Guess what? That turns into rage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we get, you know, pinned as that. And so like, why are you trying to police the rage and the anger and the tension that's built up? And there's been so many times, especially in my PhD, that I wanted to be like, why am I even doing this? Right? Like there is no space here for black black people much less black females like why, like why why do i sit here and do this why do i have to undergo the racist conversations i have to be talked down to you know i endure sexism why am i doing this i'm doing this for intellectual curiosity but i have to still have the weight of the entire my entire culture thrown on me and then people still scream at me for being an affirmative action um or being let in because of affirmative action the fact that like you know my voice doesn't mean as much like yeah it'd be so much easier to just be like you know what forget it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let it go because you know what my mental health is torn to shreds over this yeah yeah it was, and it's bs yeah i agree completely what about you Nia? um i look at it as like totally the result of a lot of microaggression and his statement is just the the result of that is generations of all of that just accumulated and landed on him because he didn't as far as we know he didn't come from like a privileged area no, he, he, he came, came from, from justice's hood. yeah so yeah, he i it's just the lack of anything better like he doesn't see anything better so why not just play into it they already expect it you know it's not that it's i don't i don't personally think that is right but I can't fault them exactly. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's the best way that I can. I, I, and it that line literally hurt my soul. It was a punch, man. It literally hurt my soul because you know, you see, I don't know, I don't know if it's the same for you, but you know, I see guys that I grew up with and see the lanes that they've taken while I took other lanes. And it's so hard to see because I'm just like, I know personally that this person is like super smart 
or they're so intelligent they can do this they can do that they can do this but they they're not afforded the same opportunities um part of it sometimes could be they they didn't really continue with that drive yeah i'll give you that but for the most part they're not afforded the same opportunities and they have to deal with what they're left with you know yeah it's either you can move forward academically or you search for that family or safety and unfortunately gangs or things like that you know like just street nature that's that's what they end up with because there was nothing else for them they didn't see another lane that they could have taken you know And, and sometimes you can't even take another lane. Like if you right. need to provide for your family or right. whatever else. Like what if you? What if one of your parents have been taken? What if both of them have been taken? Right. What if you have brothers and sisters and mouths to feed? I mean, there's it, just so much more than just that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Like no, it's it's so bad because I like to say this. I grew up on the corner of the hood, and I grew up, I grew up on the corner of hood and opportunity. In that my parents instilled in me this this drive to just go forth academically yeah it was it was no choice i think i call it the first generation plot it's literally your parents came here for you and they be they're this so you need to do this exactly because you you need to do better for us and and your future generations and then i grew up in the bronx where there's all there's already a stigma against the bronx but i grew up in the bronx and so i didn't miss all of the gang related stuff that was going on i had friends who were in these type of situations by force a lot of them yeah um and at at a young age i didn't realize that like i didn't realize just the opportunity to go from public middle school because i did public school from k through eight to have the opportunity to say i'm going to this catholic school and say without any type of like fear or oh, well, I don't know yep. if we'll be able to do this. And I didn't get a, a scholarship. Not that I wasn't deserving of a scholarship. I didn't get a scholarship into that school. But to, to I didn't realize just how privileged in, yeah. in a way yeah. that I was yeah. to be able to do that. And so when I go back home and I see some of my friends and I'm like, and, and things haven't really changed, I try very hard not to judge because it's so easy to be like, but we yes. reported the same things. Technically, right. no. We weren't, yeah. And... I appreciate my parents for pushing that because um, yeah. I, I know it was not easy. Um, Literally. But they wanted to give me that opportunity. And it's not that parents don't want that. I don't think there's a general consensus that black parents don't. But to a certain degree, what what we have is what we have. And Literally. We, sometimes you can only yep. do what with what you have. And yeah. that scene, when he said that, I was just like, that's probably how some of my friends... That I have That's how really, my family turned out. And and it's not... I, I have to learn... I had to really say, like, you see, this is through no fault of their own. Like, I had to say that. Um, and that's why I think that scene specifically, like, packed that much of a, a hit for me, too. Yeah. Um, and then I thought of... I don't know if you guys know Kimberly Latrice Jones. She's, she became popular for an interview that she did that with, went on to Trevor Noah. Yes. Um, where she said, like, you know, you, you, you guys are mad at us for... for, for rioting or whatever and burning buildings in the cnn headquarters but we don't have anything you know like Literally. this doesn't belong that, to that us. interview so important and she and i i kid you not the the last thing that she said when she said you are lucky that all we want is equality and not revenge i am crying right now because that's how I have felt. I'm like, you are lucky that all we want is for you to see us. Because if we wanted to avenge all of this shit that we have been through for centuries, you wouldn't yes. even know what to do with yourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And that's that's also the feeling that I got from that scene too. It was kind of like it was like this weird conjunction of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then no, but I completely. I felt the exact same way. Ooh. Like it's so easy to sit here and judge people if you've never had to experience that or live that like right. i grew up in the projects i lived in the hood i get it like you know i was a i was a wiccan food stamp you know baby and child my whole life i didn't realize that food stamps weren't considered like common until like i remember pulling one out with some friends to go to a gas station and then they made fun of me like for me that's what all my friends had so i didn't know right like yeah. wow it's dumb it's so dumb like not everybody has the same opportunity like 
and it stems from racism. I know people don't want to hear it, but that's yeah, exactly... They want to act like it, it's not a thing anymore in 2020. But a lot of the the basis or the foundation of the things that we're singing is because of racism and nobody acknowledges it well to lighten up the mood a little bit what also progressed in part two (laughs) is sj and justice's relationship yeah yeah and i am queen for that ship okay um (laughs) i appreciated that i even i think i wrote a note i said i appreciate that there was a bit of levity because it was like we were hit 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 and then all of a sudden this reality kind of came in where it was just like he just wanted to see sj yeah and i was like you better go get your girl justice <laughs> um, but how did how was that like how did you know because we, again we went from heavy to light in that moment how was that scene for you guys because it was a, a relief for me i needed to breathe i needed it yeah i i definitely needed that scene because like i said i, I was crying a lot and i don't cry a lot so she does not i was very alarmed and i just wanted to know what kim had me going through because i didn't sign up for all of these emotions but i really needed that that relief in in that scene because i'm sj i freaking love sj i i was there for her from the very beginning once she stood up i i was a little larry because i was like are you just doing it just to mm, get yes. some points but <laughs> I'm all I was all the way here for it. That's why I maybe that's probably a main reason why I couldn't stand his mama. Because um, <laughs> you love that shit. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely needed that. Right. Yes. But she want to support a bad thing, that mellow girl. And Could you imagine? Nope, she wanted good. mellow over SJ. Mellow. Nope. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. What about you, Toya? So I'm team SJ and Justice. Like I'm not even gonna hide that because that like that is what a healthy relationship looks like. Unlike that garbage was mellow. But anyways, but honestly, one of the things that I love the most about the second half of the book was the way that you see SJ's parents come for Justice and who he is. Yeah. And but without like their own like personal motives they just wanted to be there for him and that relationship was supported from day one they always accepted him and wanted him to to be great so you know what sj and her parents like i am there for that shit i am there for that family like we need to be supporting that i love her father just my sir just my yo I was like, not just Meister. Just Meister. Come on, Dad. But yes, that's a good point. I I forgot that. that His parents were like, her parents, excuse me, were like A1 accepting. And that's all you kind of want in those situations too. So to be afforded that is just... Listen, I'm just here for all the SJ shippingness, okay? All sides Mm -hmm. of it. Amazing. Okay, so to wrap up the story, before we get into our greats, our goods, and if we have any bads, because I don't don't have any bads, but... hmm. Yeah. Um, to wrap up the story, you know, the way it progresses, both SJ and Justice, they end up together. I believe SJ goes to Columbia. Yeah. 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 She's, she goes to Columbia and he goes to, Justice goes to Yale with Jared. Could you imagine? Fuck Jared. <laughs> There's so much. I really want to do an episode on just Jared. But anyways. <laughs> and so, you know, he we kind of, we get this kind of wrap up where Justice comes back to Atlanta. He goes to visit Manny's grave. Jared is there. They're having a conversation. It's civil. <laughs> yeah. It's civil. But how do you feel about that that specific interaction? To go from like Jared the fuck boy, because that's what he is. Okay. Absolutely. To, you know, him kind of like he he outright said like now he wants to go into civil rights law, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, to do that complete one eighty, obviously triggered by the death of Manny. But how do you feel about that interaction between Manny and Justice at the end? Uh you mean Jared and Justice? Jared and Justice, excuse me. <laughs> All the no, names. you're good. Um so I had talked about this with someone else and I honestly feel like the reason why we got that metamorphosis is because this is a YA book. Because this is a YA book, we want to give young people the opportunity for growth and development and to show that they are allowed to change and to learn from their past mistakes. I feel like if this would have been an adult novel, we probably wouldn't have seen that sort of wrap up. And so for that, I am happy that there 
was this type of come to agreements, but you can tell that Justice is still standoffish. It's not like him and Jared were about to be going and hanging out at Yale. And But I do think it is still important for the Jareds, fuckboys of the world, to know that it's okay to learn from your mistakes and change. Yeah. I think it was a needed scene. I never thought about that aspect of it with it just being like that because it was a YA book. Like, what was your feeling? What were you feeling, though? Okay, I. (laughs) Okay, she don't want me to talk, but she want to talk. Okay, I'm playing. Now, um, I honestly, I, I didn't walk away like, okay, that's nice. I was more like, okay, and I was. Yeah, I was like, you were studying the olive branch a little too late, sir. Um, we 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 had years of this. Listen, now you got years of chilling. Right. So mm-hmm. years of the cold shoulder because let's be realistic. In a real life situation, there would be some type of grudge holding because he made his life really annoying for a long time. And I mean, he accepted it because of Manny, but now Manny is not here, so you're gonna get the full force. Bye. Like, <laughs> I don't want no parts. He's not going to the barbecue. Oh, oh absolutely no. not. Absolutely no not. No invitation shall be extended. Absolutely not. You can't come to no cookouts. So yeah, I, I was still on my grudge uh, mode. Um, Trust me, I, I get it. I was, I was both <laughs> because yes, I knew it was YA and that's why it was wrapped up nicely. But also, I was like, nah, you, you, I don't want, like, that whole, we're at the the grave site and you want to talk like friends. We're not friends. That's okay? all I'm saying. You, like, you ignore me in Yale and I ignore you at Yale. That's how, that's the type of energy we're keeping here in Atlanta. I don't care that you were quote unquote Manny's friend. I was his real friend, so move away. And like, I don't even care if you change your major. I don't care. <laughs> what, what is that, what is that doing for me? Am I making money from you? Boy, bye. <laughs> I'm now, sorry. See, but that's how petty I am too. Like I'm not about to just go ahead and throw that grudge out the window. I'm a grudge holder. And oh. after, especially when Jared wanted to sit there and come out of his ass with the whole microaggressions and the way that he just spoke. No, right. Anyways, yeah. Ooh, so child. you can keep your little 180, Ooh. Jared. Child. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I am actually super. I'm nervous, but I'm super excited for Dear Justice. Yeah. Now I have to have to read that. I'm excited for Dear Justice because I really want people to have the story that's not the stand-up black citizen because I think that's a whole nother situation that needs to be addressed. And I am, again, nervous. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> I'm nervous because I know it's... I, oh, she gonna, she's going to make us cry. Get out of here. Listen, oh uh, a friend of mine... Is is she has she got the an arc too, which I'm grateful that she did as well. And she's already like saying like I cried on the third page. And I was like, No 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 (laughs) the third page this one at home and not at work. Oh please. Because this one I don't I couldn't imagine being at work. You kudos to you. Honestly. (laughs) I I would have been a wreck if I was at work reading that. Or listening to that. Give me a day off. I'm going home. Okay, so we have wrapped up our discussion but now we just got to give just a little portions what were our great moments what were our good moments did you have any bad moments i hope there was no ugly outside of you know the ugliness that is the the themes of the book um <laughs> so you, did you do you want me to go first I'll yes my great first. yeah go ahead okay so my great off rip is just nick stone's writing style she oh no another <laughs> one okay she just I appreciated that we got a mixture of exactly what the experience can be, the black experience can be, but also the reality of our joy, um, our intellect. You know what I mean? Like we got the police brutality. We got the microaggressions. We had to deal with those situations. We had to face those situations to a certain degree, but we also got the love with SJ and justice, which I absolutely adore the brotherhood with Manny and justice. Yeah. Um, and that was real brotherhood for me. Um, and I just, I appreciated that it felt more like the, it, like for YA for me specifically, there's always this fantastical element that I feel like Nick did a really good job of not like pushing through it's kind of like no you're gonna deal with this like you're gonna face this but also know that we have our love stories too and also know that we have our bonds too but this is this is also a part of our experience so that was my great i'm gonna let toy go because yeah i 
No, I 100% echo the sentiment because for me, it was so realistic. Like this, this book as a whole, like with Nick Stone's writing, just hurts. Like the the parts that hurt really hurt. And I can imagine when these things were said to me when I was going through similar types of situations. But also like finding joy. Like I remember when I got my college acceptance. Like you know, knowing that you got accepted and I got a full ride scholarship. Like I remember running up and down my damn street because I couldn't believe it. Like (laughs) I was going to college as a first year, first year generation. Like Mm -hmm. I just like, and and it, like so much of that was brought to life. And, and the fact that all of this happened in, you know, around 200 pages, like goes to show that people just really need to take a chance on these types of stories and just listen. Like, it's just not that hard. It really is not. It's not. And it shouldn't take a George Floyd for it to be... A th- you know what? That's another... No, nope, yeah. not going yeah, on That's another back. thing we can't... Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So, my grade was like Kim's. I really, really, really enjoyed Nick Stone's writing. I think that she captured a young man in this day and age beautifully. I think it was needed. Everything, Everything that she did was so calculated and perfectly done i would i really really just thought that that was like the greatest thing that book because it's not that big of a book so i was like how much could it possibly you know do but as you've heard it made me cry a lot so kim set me up and even though she set me up i really appreciated it (laughs) i really like that book really love it yeah and now you're gonna read dear justice so you don't have a choice um, wow. <laughs> uh, so, what about your goods? Like, what was it good for you? For me, my good was definitely Justice and SJ. Like, I know I have like basically <laughs> sang their praise the whole episode, yeah. but I think that was such a good thing. Like, he had he had somebody in his corner. Right. I mean we all expected it in a well i won't speak for everybody but in a way i expected it to be manny and i assumed that it was gonna be justice that something bad happened to you know but i'm glad that even though it wasn't him he had somebody he had somebody in his corner because i think if he didn't the story could have been a lot different too you know so i thought that was really good that she had somebody there for him that he can sound things off even though he was you know writing his letters he still had a physical person that he can talk to you know that's that's all (laughs) what about you (laughs) no my good was definitely um justice and sj's relationship as well as justice's relationship with sj's parents and just seeing how much how both of those could be such a positive thing especially for a vulnerable black man like justice yeah and with what he was going through at home like he he didn't have to hide you know those things when he was around sj and her family and i think that that's so important is to be able to have that positive influence and like Nia was saying that safe space like carved out for you and that and that validation honestly like, yeah we all need that. Definitely. So. Um, so, you know, we're all of one mind, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my good essentially discussed, I loved all of the relationship, that de- most, not all, most of the relationship dynamics. Like, I was a big fan of Justice and uh, Doc's relationship, that mentorship. Yes. Um, yes. I loved yes. that and I lived for it because... I feel like I got some of that in, I say, a bit in college, more in high school. So I felt that that dynamic was great. And then, of course, as you know, I'm Team SJ here, so I was here for Justice and SJ <laughs> becoming a relationship, you know, yeah. becoming a couple. And um, outside of my personal feelings about Justice's mom, I did still sort of like their dynamic it was i think what i liked about it is that i felt like i could connect to it um not that that's how my mom is because she's not and my parents were never that way yeah but i could i could like i understood it i didn't agree with it but i understood it yeah i think that makes perfect sense the the dynamic between justice and manny the brotherhood there and then justice and manny's family um that was like that was me as a kid going to my best friend's house because you don't just have that relationship with your friend 
you build that relationship with the family. For sure. And so I couldn't imagine, like I put myself in a a space of like, imagine that person being removed. Like imagine my best friend being removed and then I'd have to have this dynamic with the family and how much they were like, you know, you were a son to us too. Like, and you know that for me, that was- And the watch. Yeah, and the watch and gifting the watch. It was, it was, ooh. It was that's a, that's a whole lot. It was. It was. It was just well done, and I appreciated most of them because I ain't care for Mello. Okay. Nope. Mello is the is the bad and the ugly. She is. You're right. The bad and she is ugly. The ugly was Jared for me. And Jared was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you know Jared, you ugly. Okay. I know, right? Jared's ugly. Mello's ugly and bad. Is there anybody else that I didn't like? Blank. Blake. Oh, Blake. Her Klansman. I just want to oh. put Blake like under like somebody's prison. Just just under there. The deplorable. Yes. just Literally. Just under there. Okay. So what is your moral of the story? What was your takeaway? Okay. So my moral of the story, very cliche, is that we still have a lot to do. <laughs> that, that's literally what it was for me. Yeah. After reading that, I was just like, but how many... There's so many stories that sound so similar to this in our day and age. Like right now, it's just. And and just to point out, I first read Dear Martin in 2018. To read it again two years later and still have the same experiences. Yep. What about it's black? What was your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway is basically the same thing. Like we need to listen to these stories about our you know black men and as well as things that are going on within black culture and we need to do better because you know i remember the first black lives matter movement and we were doing the same thing when obama was in presidency like nothing's changing nothing's changing right um i agree with both of you but i went the Try to be positive, like you know. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. This is where my optimism, the little bit of optimism that I have, shines through, and it's through heartbreak and tragedy, our resilience still shines brighter. Okay. Ooh. That was that was my All right. Yeah. Okay. I want to be a little positive. You know. What I, mean? I see you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get a little snap for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I gave this book honestly five stars. Same. Five stars easily. I'd give it 10, I'd give it 100, I'd give it 1,000, okay? All of the stuff. It needs to be read by everyone and taught in schools. It should be required reading. Completely, it should be required reading for every kid. Because if y'all had me reading this stupid-ass Lord of the Flies, even though I enjoyed Lord of the Flies, you had me reading that? White boys in the forest. White boys in the forest. (laughs) With cannibalism? Listen. Y'all don't want to have this conversation, okay? It should replace To Kill a Mockingbird. Today, tomorrow, and next day. Just saying. We need it. Okay, so we have come to the end of our show. We have. Yay! I'm happy but sad. I know, right? Happy but sad. Thank you. It was so great. Yeah, I had so much fun. I had a lot of fun. We got a little emotional. We batted those eyelashes away, but we got a little emotional, but it was a really great discussion. Mia's giving me a face. (laughs) (laughs) She always does this to me. I love you. She always gets me emotional, but then she's the one talking straight and being okay. <laughs> my job. Ow! <laughs> um, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And if you didn't know, our next read is The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. Check it out. Buddy read with us. And we'll see y'all next time. Well, you'll hear us yep. next time. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, CastBox, and Anchor.fm. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at BuddyReadPod to get all of our live reactions.